Welcome to Church at Home today. Uh, we're in a very unique season that is very different. We're almost nine weeks into this now where we're not meeting as we would traditionally meet together, but we're meeting in homes and places all over our community. And if you are visiting our church family for the very first time, let me introduce myself. My name is Aaron, and I have the privilege of being the pastor here of Coastline Church, and we're really glad that you chose to join us today. Uh, we have a brand new series that we're beginning this weekend that is going to be incredibly important for your Christian faith, your Christian walk. And for those of you that are not believers in Jesus Christ, you're not a Christian yet, and I say that with faith and expectation, this is a great series to help you understand what the Christian life is all about and what is available to us as believers, because we would love you to join our family and give your life to Jesus Christ. And we'll give you a moment to do that at the end of the message today. Before I jump into the message, let me thank everyone that were able to join us this last Monday night for the groundbreaking of our brand new children and youth building. This is an architect drawing of what the building is going to look like when it's completed. You saw some footage of the groundbreaking ceremony just a moment ago. And we're just excited as a church that we're able to move forward during this season when there, there's a lot of just chaos in America right now for everything going on with COVID-19, God has opened the door for us to move forward and build this building. And the great news about it is, is we've not had to pull back our generosity at all. We're giving more today as a church and doing more to serve and love our community than any other time in the history of our church. And at the same time, God is providing through your faithfulness and generosity us to build a building in the middle of this season. It's all for His Glory. And then one more thing before we get into the message, our Kingdom Builder meeting this week, this Wednesday morning at 7 a.m., we have a special guest, a pastor that you love, you got to hear a few months ago, Pastor Willie George from Tulsa, Oklahoma. He did the message in February on the three stages of Christmas, one of the most powerful messages on spiritual maturity and growth that I personally have ever heard in my life, and I know it impacted many of you. Well, Pastor Willie has an incredible ability to speak to business leaders, to inspire them with the Bible for their career, their business, their finances, leadership. And so we've invited him to come and speak into our kingdom builders. You may be asking, what is a kingdom builder? They are men and women in our church family who God has just given them this incredible ability to do business and to make money and to build wealth. Now, if God gives you that ability, there's always a purpose behind it. It's never just for our own selfishness or materialism or greed, but there's a greater purpose to having that ability, and it's advancing the kingdom of God, kingdom building in other words. And so we want a group in our church where we can inspire the people that have that gift, that have the gift of waging war in the business world so that they can acquire the wealth to advance and further the kingdom of God here on earth. And so that meets every Wednesday. If you're interested in joining and being a part of it, email us at kingdombuilders at coastlinechurch.org. And it's our chance to pray for you, inspire you, and, and just create an environment where your faith can grow in the area of finance, in the area of business, to do all that God has called you to do as an individual or a family. Well, as I said a moment ago, we are beginning a brand new series 
today. And I want to open with a statement and I'm going to leave one word out intentionally because I want you to imagine what should fill in the blank. Here's the statement. Without blank, it is impossible to please God. Now, some of you may know your Bible and you know that this comes directly from a Bible verse, Hebrews eleven six. 6. But I want you to imagine for a moment if you had never read that and you didn't know what the answer was, what do you think the answer is? Like, what do you think in the Christian life should fill in this blank? Without love, it is impossible to please God. That makes a lot of sense. Without uh, obedience, it is impossible to please God. That also makes a lot of sense. Without loyalty, it could be a lot of things. So what is the answer? Well, let me give it to you. Without faith, without faith, it is absolutely impossible to please God. Which tells me that as a follower of Jesus Christ, if this is true, that one of the most important elements of the Christian life is living a life of faith, walking in faith on a regular basis. This is so important to those of us that are Christian. And so we're beginning this series, Now Faith Is, which is based out of Hebrews 11, verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. What are you hoping for? What are you praying for? What are you believing God for? Faith is the substance of that thing, the evidence of things that are not seen. So you're not seeing it yet. But that doesn't mean it's not real. You're not seeing it, but that doesn't mean it's not going to happen. You have faith to pull things from the invisible into the visible. Now, we're going to dig this verse apart over the next couple of weeks, but I want to set up a different foundation today to help you understand this entire series, because one of the most important things we can learn as followers of Jesus Christ is how to walk in faith. It is absolutely essential to our life. Now, to understand faith, to understand this invisible force that has this, this power and this ability to pull things out of heaven and bring them into earth, we have to first understand a little bit about the spiritual world. So I'm going to make a number of statements today. It's not going to be a traditional message with point one, point two, point three. It's going to be a number of statements that are critical to understanding how to walk in faith. Here's the first statement. The spirit world is real. Whether you believe it or not, whether you acknowledge it or not, whether you want it to be or not, the spirit world is real. The natural world that you and I live in is not the only world that exists. There is another world unseen, a spirit world that is absolutely there. And here's why we know this to be true. John chapter 4 verse 24 says, God is spirit. So the creator of the world that we live in, God, the creator who, who in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, he is a spirit, which means he exists outside of the natural world that you and I live in. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So as followers of Jesus Christ, we have to learn and understand how to worship God in spirit because he exists outside of the world that you and I exist in. We exist in a natural world. God exists in a spirit world. And let me put it like this. The spirit world is actually the first world. The world that we live in is a secondary or a created world that was created out of the 
spirit world. So God is not a physical being like we are physical beings, but he is very, very real, just as real, if not more, than you and I are real. Because the natural world was created out of the spirit world. So let me put it like this. If that is true, the spirit world is more real than the natural world. And I know that's hard to understand because we live in a natural world and this world feels so real to us and, it, and it's hard to imagine a world outside of this world because this is our home. But the truth is, if that world created this world, then that world is actually more real than the world that you and I live in. So how did God create the natural world that you and I live in out of the spirit world where he lives? It was his word. This is very important to understanding how faith operates. It was God's word. Going on in Hebrews 11, verse 3, it says, By faith, we understand that the worlds, the natural world that you and I live in, were framed or created or established by the word of God. It was God's word. In the beginning, God did not think the world into existence. He spoke the world into existence. He didn't think, let there be light. He said, let there be light. It was the spoken word. So that the things which are seen, the natural world that we live in, were not made of things which are visible. So the world that we live in was not created by the world that we live in. So the natural world of what we see and what we know is not created by what we see and what we know. This is very important to understand. Let me put it like this. If I got into a rocket ship, to explore the universe, the Star Trek Enterprise. And I was able to travel at the speed of will because the speed of light would be far too slow. And I could search all known universe, galaxies, solar systems, and beyond. I could never find God. Why? Because God doesn't live in the known universe that we understand, the natural world. God lives outside of the natural world in a spirit world. And if I fail to consider that there is anything outside of this natural world that you and I live in, then I can never truly know God or understand God or, as Jesus said, worship Him. Because to worship God, I must worship Him with my spirit, not just my natural being. So as we move forward, let me ask you a question. Very important to understand kind of where we're all at in this journey. And here's the question. It's not a, an esoteric question of all of mankind. It's a personal question for you, for, for how you think, for what you believe. And it's a question we all should ask of ourselves: Am I a natural person or am I a spiritual person? Am I somebody who only acknowledges the natural known universe or am I somebody who acknowledges there is something behind the scenes? There is something out there beyond the natural world that we live in, a spiritual world. And here's the way the Apostle Paul put it. 1 Corinthians 2, Paul says, The natural man or person does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. So a natural person, somebody who only believes in the natural world, doesn't believe in the spiritual, doesn't believe in the supernatural, doesn't believe that there's anything outside. The natural man says, if I can't see it, if I can't taste it, if I can't touch it, it does not exist. If I can't prove it with science, then I'm not going to 
believe it. That is the natural mind. The natural mind refuses to acknowledge anything outside of this natural world. Now, the problem with that is to say that all of this, the natural world that we live in, began with anything outside of it, then what you're saying is the natural world we live in is God itself because it had somehow this creative power to create itself. Now, most scientists would agree that there was a beginning. If you go back through history, far enough back, there was a point when all of this that we live in began. And whether you believe in evolution or adaptation or creation, almost every scientist believes there was a beginning. Something began all of this. Now, if you believe that that something didn't come from a spirit world, wasn't a God that created all of this, then what you're saying is the world that you and I live in is God itself because it somehow had the ability to poof, create itself, which is to me a little bit harder to believe than to believe there was a creator behind the scenes. And I think all of us, if we were honest and we look around the world and we observe, we see evidence everywhere. There's something under the surface. There's something beyond this natural world that that you feel and you sense and you see and you understand. Think about the animal kingdom for a moment. Like think, think, you know, the problem with the animal kingdom for us is we raise our children to believe that animals have these human characteristics, these human qualities through all the movies, the, the famous Disney movie that came out a few years ago, Zootopia, supposed to be this utopian society for animals, and yet they've got all the same problems that the humans have, and animals should live in peace with one another and love one another and, and be perfect harmony with one another. But the problem is if you study the animal kingdom at all, you realize it doesn't exist. There are major differences in the animal kingdom than in the human kingdom. And look, I know some of you like to consider your pets as children, and you know, whether that's right or wrong, that's another message for another day. But the truth is there, there's a difference between a pet and a child, and all of us inherently understand that. We, we, all, we all get that. We all know that. You see, in the animal kingdom, when a lion, if you've ever seen a lion in the wild, when he goes to bite down on the neck of a gazelle, He's not feeling any remorse about it. He's not, you know, he doesn't stop before he kind of eats the gazelle and says, you know, I'm really sorry that I've got to do this, but I'm really hungry right now. And, 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 you know, I'm not a grass eater. And so this is what I've got to do. And I feel really bad about taking your life over this whole thing. But, you know, th this is just kind of who I am, who I was made to be. Chomp. Lions don't do that. They don't feel any remorse at all. Now, I'm not saying that every human being feels remorse. But I am saying every human being was born with remorse and you've got to commit enough evil over a consistent period of time to deaden that sense, to deaden that area of your life, to not feel it anymore. And, and the difference is because as a human, we were created differently than the animal kingdom. The Bible puts it like this in Genesis chapter one. So God created mankind in his own image. He didn't create animals in his own image. He created mankind in his own image. What is that image? The spirit. The spirit. Remember, God is spirit. Jesus said in John 4, in the image of God, he created them male and female. So this is how humans are different from every other part of creation, from the animal kingdom and from the plant kingdom. Humans have three very distinct parts. Like God is three, the Trinity. We are three distinct parts. We have a body, the physical part of ourself. 
It connects us to us, pain, heat, cold. We have a soul. That's our mind, will, and emotions. It connects us to other people. We feel happiness. We feel joy. We feel sadness. And what makes us different is we have a spirit. We have a spirit. That's the one part of us that connects us to God. It connects us to something outside of the natural world that we live in. Now, when you're born, you're born spiritually dead. So the process of becoming a Christian, the Bible teaches is your spirit, when you say yes to Jesus, is born again, meaning your spirit is born alive for the very first time. Your soul and body are born alive at birth. And then when you become a Christian, your spirit is born alive. It comes alive and it now has this ability to connect to God. Well, this is what makes us different. Plants, they only have a body. Plants don't have a soul, they don't have a mind, will, and emotion, and they don't have a spirit. Animals have a body and a soul. That's why you can see your pets show emotion, happiness, joy, sadness. They have a soul, but what they lack is the spirit part that connects them to God. So in the animal kingdom, you don't see hospitals, you don't see compassion as we know it, that you see kind of in the human world, food banks. What, what it happens in the animal kingdom is if somebody becomes weak and sick, the other animals pounce on them because it means more food for them. And there's no remorse about it. There's no, there's no feeling about it. And that's what you see by and large. Well, in a human, there's a higher law obviously a higher law because we were created with this spirit that is always longing for something more. And even when that spirit is dead at birth, it's still longing to be made alive. It's longing for more. That's why so many people without God feel so empty inside with all the success that life can offer. Think about Hollywood. Hollywood to me is the greatest proof of this truth being real. Because if all we were was a body and a soul, that was it. If all you had was a body and a soul and you had no spirit as a human being, think about Hollywood. In Hollywood, you have people who are incredibly rich. And not only are they incredibly rich, but they're rich and famous. So, so, so you got rich, you got famous. And the reason they're rich and famous is because for most of them, they're, they're reasonably talented and typically incredibly good looking. So I want you to think about this. You've got wealth, You've got fame, you've got talent, you've got good looks, you've got it all. You've got beautiful wife, beautiful husband, beautiful family, you have everything this world has to offer. So if all we were was a body and soul, that would be enough. That would be the epitome of life. You would get there and you would be so fulfilled, so content, so happy because you finally arrived. Yet if you've ever been to Hollywood, I lived in LA for years, what you find is there's a lot of sadness behind the scenes. There's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of depression. There's a lot of loneliness. There's a lot of emptiness. Why? Because there's a spirit part of us that longs for something more. But a natural person denies that part of their life. And so Paul goes on to say, the natural person, he can't know the spiritual things because they are spiritually discerned. And so if you want that void, that emptiness to ever be filled in your life, it's through acknowledging there's something out there that I need to connect to. But he who is spiritual, I love this, understands all things. So if you're spiritual, you understand, yes, the natural world that we live in, but you also understand there's a spiritual world out there that God wants us to connect to. Connect to. And this is the reason why we need God, because our spirits are longing 
to be made alive. So to know God, to relate to God, to have a relationship with God, you can't do that in the natural way that we relate to one another. Like in the natural way, I can come to your house and we can eat dinner together. That's our bodies physically. We can talk and have a conversation. That's our souls communicating. But with God, I have to know him spiritually because God is spirit. I love the way, uh, if you know Mike Huckabee, he was a uh, governor of Arkansas. He ran for president. A few years back when he was running for president, he suspended his campaign because God told him to. And one of the reporters asked him, did God speak to you in an audible voice when he told you to suspend the campaign? And I love his response. He said, no, it was much louder than that. See, the truth is we can know God's voice and we can hear God's voice, but we don't hear it in the natural way. We hear it in a spiritual way, in our heart deep within us, our spirit connecting with God. It's powerful. It's powerful. Now, uh, now that we've given you kind of a brief understanding of the spirit world, that God is spirit, that there is a spiritual world outside of the natural world, let's talk about faith. Faith is incredibly important in understanding what it means to follow God, to walk in the spirit, to walk in faith, to see the Christian life fully uh, become productive in every way. So faith, faith is the force of God that creates. Faith is God's creative force. There are three primary forces that God operates in. Paul says faith, hope, and love. Now he says love is the greatest, and you understand love, it makes sense why it's the greatest, but faith is the force of God that creates. So let me put it like this. Faith is the force that moves the supernatural, that's from the spirit world, into the natural, into the world that we live in. Faith is what reaches up into heaven and pulls spiritual, supernatural things out of heaven and brings them down to earth in the natural world that we live in. Now, this this shouldn't be so hard to understand because a one-word definition of this statement is miracle. That's what it means. It's a miracle. And I think everyone believes that miracles exist. Miracles happen. We pray for people. They're healed. It's a miracle. What is that? That's faith, a force of God that is reaching into the heavenly world, the spiritual world, and grabbing something that is supernatural. It's above the natural world and pulling it down into the natural world. So in other words, faith is a currency. Faith in the spiritual world is the same thing that money is in the natural world. Let me help you understand this. In the natural world, you can have all the money in the world. But how many of you understand money means absolutely nothing at all? Like you can't, uh, if you don't know how to spend it or exchange it for the things that you need. Think about it. You can't drive in money. You can't eat money. You can't wear money. You can't live inside of money. So having money is useless if you do not know how to exchange money and use money for the things that you actually need. Faith is the same way. You can have all the faith in the world. You can understand faith. You can talk about faith. You can listen to messages on faith. You can read books about faith. Having faith means absolutely nothing if you do not know how to use your faith. If you do not know how to exchange faith in the spiritual world for the things that you need, the miracles that you need, the blessings that you need, having faith means absolutely nothing at all. 
Faith is what moves the power of God, again, from the spiritual world that God lives in to the natural world where we live in physical bodies. And so let me put it like this. If that is all true, then faith is superior. Faith is superior to all of the known laws of our universe. Let's talk about that for a moment. Let me give you an example. The law that you and I are probably most aware of as humans, we're most uh, aware of on a daily basis, on a regular basis, the law that most applies to our life for many of us is the law of gravity. Uh, the law of gravity, you use it every time you walk, uh, you recognize it every time you drive a car, every time you brush your teeth, you're using the law of gravity. I mean, you hold the toothbrush under the toothpaste when you're squeezing it out of the tube. Why? Because when you squeeze the toothpaste out, it's not going to go up, it's going to go down. Well, I've got a few nails in my hand, so let me illustrate it like this. The law of gravity says that if I let, I don't even have to throw it, if I just let the nail go every single time, the nail is going to drop. I don't ever have to worry about one of these nails deciding that I'm going to go up, I'm, I'm going to decide to go like up into the roof, up into the sky, no, every, 100% of the time, the nail is going to fall. That is the law of gravity. So. Here's how this works, and it's universal. Uh, by the way, this, this is you know, the law that many of us don't like because you know these things under the eyes right there, uh, as you get older, these things under your eyes begin to drop. That's the law of gravity. Wouldn't it be amazing that if instead of you know, the body going down as you get older, it went up as you went older? Now, I know some of you have found another law to counteract the law of gravity. It's called the law of Botox, but that's another message for another day. I, I want to put it like this. The, the, what this all leads to is what I believe is probably the strongest law of the natural world, and that is the law of sin and death. The law of sin and death would be the strongest law of the natural world that we live in, meaning every single one of us are on a path to death. The current mortality rate amongst the human race today, last time I checked, is 100%, meaning every single one of us will eventually die. That is the law of sin and death. Well, what God does is he comes along into the universe, the natural world that we live in, and he sends his son, Jesus. And Jesus lives on this earth with us and he goes to a cross and they kill him and he dies and he's buried in a grave. And then God, to show off that the law of faith is superior to the law of sin and death, decides to raise Jesus from the dead. You see, the only thing stronger than the law of gravity in our natural world is the law of magnetism. You see, the law of magnetism is superior to the law of gravity when the right substance is there. Well, let me put it like this. The law of faith is superior to the law of sin and death. That's what God proved when he raised Jesus from the dead. So let me put it like this. Let me make another statement. The law of faith. So what we're talking about is the strongest law in our universe. The law of faith can overcome any of the natural laws 
in our universe. And again, this is why it's important that as followers of Christ, we learn how to walk in faith, exercise faith, use faith, and be people of faith because it can overtake the laws that constrain us as human beings and we can see God's miracles and blessings flow on planet earth. We are to be God's channels of miracles on earth. But it takes you and I learning how to exercise and walk in faith. That's why Paul says we walk by faith, not by sight. So my limitations are not the natural world, what I see, because I don't walk simply by the natural world of what I see and what I can prove. I walk by faith. I walk by the world that I cannot see that has a supernatural ability that at times by faith I can pull into the natural world. This is what we're talking about in prayer. If you've been able to join any of our prayer meetings during the week at 8 a.m. when we go live on Instagram and Facebook, we talk about walking by faith. We talk about declaring God's truth. What is God's truth? Jesus healed us 2,000 years ago at the cross. That doesn't mean we live in denial. Doesn't mean we're delusional. But what it means is sometimes what I can see is cancer. Sometimes what I can see is sickness. Sometimes what I can see is disease, but I don't walk by what I see. I walk by faith. Faith is I'm going to declare God's truth over my circumstance. I'm not delusional. I'm not saying the circumstance doesn't exist. I'm simply saying I'm going to agree with God's truth. I am healed over my circumstance because when I use my faith to agree with God's truth, I can pull the supernatural into the natural and that's when miracles occur. So here's the question I want to end with today. How do we get faith? If this is so important, if it's so critical, if it's, if, if it's the, the, the most essential part of our Christian life, how do you and I get faith? Well, let me help you understand how it doesn't happen. You're not born with faith. A lot of people think you're just born with faith. You're born with faith. You're not born with faith. A lot of people think you just got to be a Christian for a long time. The longer you're a Christian, the more your faith will grow. Now, I know Christians who've been Christians for years and don't have any faith. So it's not the, the length of Christianity that gives you faith. People think, well, my granny has a lot of faith. So when I get old, like my grandmother, I'm going to have a lot of faith. No, I know a lot of grandmothers that don't have any faith at all. So it's not age. It's not longevity in the Christian life. Well, people said that uh, Jesus used children as an example. You're supposed to have the faith of a child. Yes, but you got to understand the point of the illustration. What Jesus was saying is little kids intrinsically trust. I have a three-year-old boy at home. He doesn't worry about how I'm going to pay for dinner. He just expects he's going to get fed every night. Like he's going to eat every night because he just trusts me. He's not worried or stressed over how we pay bills or how we buy food. He just trusts the fact that he's going to get fed. That's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, you just need to live a life where you don't need to know how God's going to do it. You just need to know God's going to do it. Like you don't need to worry about how God's going to come through in your situation. You just need to be like a child and intrinsically trust that God's going to come through that's having faith like a child, but how do I get it? How do I get to the point where I can become like a little child and just trust that God's going to come through? Well, let me show you what the Bible says. Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing. What are you hearing? It's very important what you're hearing. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of 
God. You see, when God's word comes alive, it produces faith to receive and see God do incredible things in my life. What are you hearing? What are you hearing? What are you hearing being taught? Let, let me illustrate this for a moment. There are a lot of churches out there who, uh, in my opinion, wouldn't be well-rounded with the Bible. They focus on one aspect of the Bible. Uh, there's churches who put a lot of energy into healing, and they teach and preach a lot about healing. And as a result, the church has incredible faith for healing because they hear it being taught. They, they hear about healing regularly, so they have faith for healing, and they see a lot of people healed in their church. Other churches teach a lot about money and prosperity, that God wants to bless you. And so people in that church will have a lot of faith in the area of money, in the area of prosperity. And you, you'll you see a lot of people blessed. Why? Because their faith is growing in that area. Other churches preach compassion and service to the poor. And so the church has a lot of faith for compassion and service to the poor. And you see those churches doing a lot to serve the poor and help the poor and love the poor. And that's all good. Those are all good things. But what we want is a well-rounded diet. We want to have faith in all areas of Christianity, so we need to hear the Bible taught in all the fullness of the Bible taught. Because the problem is if you only try to build your faith in one area of Christianity, this is what it looks like. You look like the guy who skipped leg day at the gym. Have you ever met anybody like this? You know, they, they got the massive biceps and triceps and chest and back, and then they've got little bird legs, like skinny little scrawny bird legs because they, they, they don't even know there is a leg day. They don't even know there's muscles down there that are supposed to be worked out. So they've got all this big muscle faith up here, but they got no faith down here. We don't want to look like this in our Christian life. We want to build all areas of our faith. And that's why as a church, we have series throughout the year, series on marriage, series on faith, series on prayer, series on the Holy Spirit, series on tithing and giving and offerings and series on all different subjects. Why? Because we want to build faith in each one of those areas. See, it's important to build faith. It's important to believe that God wants to help the poor, but it's also important to believe that God wants to bless you. See, I know people who believe that God can bless others. They just don't believe God's going to bless them. So they have faith for other people, but they struggle to have faith for themselves. That's why as a church, we talk a lot about grace and righteousness, because we want you to have faith to believe God will do it for you. Paul puts it like this. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. That's what we open with today. But look at the rest of it. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder. God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Do you know God wants to reward you? The people who choose to abide in the secret place of the Most High, the people to live under the shadow of the Almighty, God wants to reward them. So let me end like this. We are obligated as followers of Christ to be strong in the faith. Faith is not optional. Without faith, you can't please him which means we are mandated. We are obligated to be people of faith. And faith is not a nationality. So you just can't say you're a person of faith because you go to church. A person of faith is somebody who regularly pulls the supernatural into the natural. That's what it means to be a person of faith. And we're mandated to be channels of God's blessing and miracles here in the natural world, the planet Earth that we live on. And so let me show you how this works. How many of you would say, 
that since you've started coming to our church, because you've heard the Bible taught in different areas, your faith has grown in those areas. Some of you, you have more faith in the area of grace. You have more faith in the area of tithing and finance. You have more faith in the area of serving the poor. You've got more faith in the area of your marriage. Your marriage is better. Maybe you got more faith in the area of freedom and you found freedom in different areas of your life. Why? Because you've heard those things taught. You see, what you hear is critically important. And that's proof. Some of you are better neighbors, you're better husbands, you're better wives, you're better parents, you're better with money today because of the faith you got from hearing God's word taught in those areas. So, so, so let me ask the question, where do we hear the word? Where do we hear the word? Now I'm gonna make this very practical as we close. I'm gonna give you three things of where we hear the word so that when we hear the word, we can develop faith in those areas, faith that produces. Here's the first one. When I read it in my daily devotion. This is why we're passionate about the one-year Bible. You see, every time I read God's word in my daily devotion, every time I get my one-year Bible and I read it, I'm building my faith in what I'm reading. Why? Because as I read God's word, it comes alive to me. As I read the word of God, it comes alive and it activates my faith. Here's the second one. When I hear it taught in our worship services. That's what's happening right now. Some of you are going to learn how to use faith because of this series, because you hear me teaching on it. You've heard me teach on marriage, and it's given you faith in your marriage. You've heard me teach on finance, and it's given you faith in that area. You've heard me teach on grace, and you have faith to believe that God loves you and has forgiven you. Why? Because you heard it taught. That's why it's very important we prioritize church in our life. It's very important we don't miss out on what God is teaching us through worship services. And then finally, when I study in community with my small group. See, when you go through a lesson plan with your small group, whether it's grace-based living or whether it's freedom, as you study in community, God speaks to you. God speaks to you. You're hearing God's word being taught as you study, and all of a sudden it's building faith. I can't tell you how many people have studied freedom through our freedom small group and have had the faith to get free of areas that have held them bound for years. Why? Because as they studied God's word together in community, they heard it. They heard it. And faith comes by hearing and they found freedom as a result. So I'm going to ask you as followers of Jesus Christ, it's not one or two of the three. It's all three. We need all three of these in our life because God speaks to us in all three. He speaks to us through our daily devotion. He speaks to us when we gather together publicly and we hear his word being taught. And he speaks to us when we study it together in our small groups. So I'm going to ask you to be faithful to those three areas to strengthen and build and learn how to exercise faith that you are desperately going to need in your life. Let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus. God, I pray for everybody listening to this message right now that they would step out and understand that there is a spirit world that we as Christians have the ability to tap into. That through faith, God, the faith that you have given us, we can pull out the supernatural and bring it into our natural and see miracles. And God, that is what you've called us to do. You've even said without faith, we can't even please you. So Lord, let us live lives daily where we need your faith. We need your faith. We need your faith because people are counting on us. They're depending on us. 
to be the Christians we need to be to bring heaven to earth in the name of Jesus. Now, before we end, let me just ask if there's anyone out there that has never given your life to Jesus, you've never committed your life to Jesus, you're not a Christ follower, spiritually you're dead. And when I talked about the emptiness inside, that resonated. Maybe you're successful. Maybe you've achieved more than you've ever planned on achieving, but you still feel so empty inside and you can't figure out why it hasn't helped. Why do you go to bed at night empty inside? Why is there that that void inside that no matter what you do, it doesn't satisfy it? It's there. It's nagging at you, that emptiness. Can I tell you, it's because you have a spirit that is dead and it's longing to come alive. It's longing to wake up. It's longing, and when it wakes up, you will feel a fulfillment. You'll feel that emptiness begin to disappear because the only thing that that emptiness was created for is God, which means no matter what you put there, it'll never be enough. You can put all the money in the world there. You can put all the pleasure in the world there. You can put all the drugs in the world there. You can put all the alcohol in the world. Never be enough because that emptiness was created for God and God alone. And he wants to be a part of your life. So before we leave today, wherever you're at, whether you're in your bedroom, your living room, your office, whether you're with friends and family or by yourself, if that's you, you've got that emptiness. And and honestly, your spirit's not alive. I want to invite you to say yes to Jesus. The Bible is clear. Nobody comes to God except through Jesus Christ, the Son. I know we've been taught that all roads lead to heaven. They don't. One road leads to heaven. That's Jesus. The only way for that spirit to be made alive is through Jesus Christ, God's Son. So if you're ready to say yes to Jesus, if you're ready to take a step and say, God, I want to be a part of your family, let me pray with you right now. Just close your eyes wherever you're at and just in your heart, say this. Say, Jesus, today I give you my life. Thank you for dying on a cross from being resurrected from the dead so that I could be made spiritually alive. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your grace. You are now my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name. Now, if you prayed that prayer with us today, I want you to let us know. You can let us know if you're on the online platform, there's an area that you can click that says, you know, I made a decision for Jesus today. If you're not in the online platform, you can email our church, prayer at coastlinechurch.org. You can go into a chat room, let somebody know. We'd love to pray with you and we'd love to welcome you to be a part of this Christian journey of faith with us. Thank you for joining us this week.